Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And we're back and we're five pounds more or less. I don't know where you're, where you're landing on that scale. Um, um, but You'd have to actually step on a scale to know how much you weigh. And that's something I'm refusing to do until 2018. <laughs> ah, so for those of you who are like, Who's, who are y'all? I feel like we never introduced Mandy and Tiffany all in your eardrums, giving you all this brown, delicious life about careers, finance, just life in this brown skin. Um my, my Thanksgiving was pretty awesome. It probably was the chillest that it's ever been. So my husband obviously came to my parents' house. Um, it was the first time that I could tell that he was, like, fully comfortable. Ooh, that's a big you milestone. Know? I know, because, like, I usually, like, I don't leave him alone with my dad. Because my dad still has, like, super thick Nigerian accent. Just got here 40 <laughs> years ago, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And so he's always looking at me like, don't leave me, you know, but this time, like, what? It was so chill. I couldn't believe, because, you know, you know how you know your boo, so you could tell when their body language is like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. But he was, he almost didn't want to leave because we had to go to his sister's house afterwards. And he was like, oh, I wish we could stay. I'm like, wow, look at this. Went from stiff and sitting forward to like letting your childhood mistakes slip out. He said something that I probably am not going to mention Let's just say my husband was, um, you know, one of them boys back in the day, back when he was really young. And he, like, let it slip out. I was like, sir, why did I look Because <laughs> my sister was was saying something about a guy that she works with. And he was like, oh, I used to run the streets with him back in the day. Now, he didn't say run the streets. You could just guess what he said. Yeah. And my dad, like, my dad, <laughs> yo, my dad called me later, was like, that that was that was when he was young, right? Not like, no, that's not, like, happening now. I'm like, no, daddy. My, my, my. My husband is not running the streets any longer. But I was like, dude, you can't get that comfortable. But all in all, it was good, though. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar experience. Well, one, one, my dad can say my husband's name successfully now without needing to ask me, was that right? Um, <laughs> he always adds like four extra syllables to it. I'm like, it's only three syllables. What are you doing? Um and uh, my dad came over and, and my husband and him watched football together. And like, yeah, I took a nap and I wasn't worried about having to like keep the conversation going or anything like that. They just were like, cool. Yeah. My dad, I'm realizing they have kind of the same like chill personality and also anxiety about like talking for a long time. So they both kind of like just chill and just hang out and it's like comfortable silence, which is nice. And me and my brother are like bouncing off the walls. <laughs> Oh, good. No, yeah. So Thanksgiving was awesome. It set a nice tone for the week. Yeah. Um, 
you know what's been like super trending lately? Like, so the dream catchers, for those of you who are listening, woo woo, everyone's talking about Bitcoin. You were the, f- yes, everyone is because yes, this morning I got to work and the front page of like the subway newspaper, you know, it's a big deal if like the subway, random free subway newspaper is writing about it. The front page was Bitcoin and I got all these emails about Bitcoin. So like, what mm-hmm. the heck? It's worth like what? $10,000 per coin? Yeah. Now? So I remember at one point when it first came out, it was huge. And then I believe Bitcoin was like the preferred method of of uh, payment for like some big drug ring. Yeah, the and Silk so, Road. Yes. And so it kind of fell off after that. And I should have bought some, I guess. I don't know. And now it's like back with a vengeance. I mean, I'll say this. I'm a hater of Bitcoin only because they stole my logo and there's nobody to sue. So that dollar sign B, I had it a full year before them and I trademarked it. And when I went to go say cease and desist, Bitcoin is not owned by anyone. It's currency. So there's no one to say, stop using my logo. <laughs> That's true. So, you I didn't know. find that. The, who was, what's the name of that person who started it? That no, like I remember when I, cause it came out in like 2009, 2010 yeah. and I had just started a business insider and everyone was like losing their crap about it. Yeah. And everyone was like, are we going to find the guy? I'm looking up his name now. Satoshi yeah, Nakamoto. I, yep. It was a Japanese guy. But the thing is, yeah. he didn't create the logo. It was like the followers that were like, oh, this is the logo. And so, and then, you know, he basically relinquished the, the, so he doesn't really own the brand. It's just like this cryptocurrency really is based on pure supply and demand. And so there's no one to say, hey, stop using that logo because no one technically owned believe me i looked it up and i was like ah so i'm a hater but although i mean just of the logo um since it's mine but um yeah. people would be like you have bitcoin's logo i'm like actually i secured that trademark in 2008 before bitcoin <laughs> was even a thing and i so, have receipts exactly so um yeah i mean i i'm not gonna lie i'm not fully familiar so what i have done is i've actually like reached out on social, reached out to different instructors of, of Bitcoin because I want to bring some Bitcoin knowledge to myself as well as dream catchers and dream builders. So, um, you know, because I, I want to get someone who can kind of really speak to it and, and so we could get, really understand. Because even if it's not Bitcoin, cryptocurrency clearly is a thing that's happening, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely. I remember it was like a it was like this unknown entity when it first came out, and my first impression of it was like, this sounds terrifying, and scary, and weird, and like, why would I ever, why would I ever use fake money? At the time, it sounded like fake money, and it sounded like a game, because mm-hmm. Bitcoin it's it's a type of currency that was created, but in order to get Bitcoin, you can't just like go you know, go to like your bank and buy Bitcoin. These these professional people, hackers or whatever, they quote unquote mine it, which involves like all these really, uh, I don't know, complicated computery type things where you have to go find it. Like they hide the Bitcoin, then you unlock it. Um, and since it first came out, like now there are the supposedly these, these Bitcoin exchanges where if you have dollars, you can exchange the dollars for Bitcoin. But because it's like, because of the the way that it's found, because it's found in these limited quantities, they kind of like control the price and the demand for Bitcoin as it increases and the supply is, you know, controlled and low, it's going to increase the value of Bitcoin. And I think now that everyone is, it's sort of reached this like fever pitch because people yeah. are like, it's in the mainstream ish now and people kind of know what it is and like investors are getting into it. Um, it's like $9,500 or something. Yes. Um, 
So here's my thing. I've heard like this. There's, there's places you like the place the 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 main place I've heard where you can buy an exchange is this place called is it Coinbase or Coin Crunch? Coinbase, right? Is that what it is? I think it's I, Coinbase. Yeah. So, but I guess what I can't wrap my mind around is I kind of get like you know slightly cryptocurrency. But so is there? So if I bought a thousand Bitcoin, you know, five years ago. And now it's worth, you know, thousand times ten thousand, a bajillion dollars, whatever, a million dollars. Is there a place where I can go get my million dollars? Like, because that's the part that I've been having a hard time getting a clear answer on. Like, where can I say I don't want these bitcoins, aka budgetista coins? That's what I'm going to start calling them. I don't want these budgetista coins. I want like technically, quote unquote, real coins, even though money's not real. But you know what I mean? Like, so I want to get my million dollars in actual cash deposited into my bank account like are there there i'm able to do so is that what they're saying because i'm like i i have not gotten a clear i've asked a lot of people and they're like well you can spend it or you have to get somebody to buy it from you and i'm like yeah but that's not the question i asked so i haven't got yeah i haven't gotten a clear clear answer on how do i get quote-unquote real money in exchange for budgetista coins yeah, I'm I'm not an expert, but I think the exchanges because people are using dollars to purchase Bitcoin have a pool of cash and I think that they would pay out of that fund when people want to cash out Bitcoin. But in the beginning, that's that's how I imagined it would happen. That's where they gained the funds from. But like in the beginning, cryptocurrency was meant to be this anti-currency. It was meant yes. to, it wasn't meant I think at the time maybe people were thinking it might be an investment, but back then it was like, man, this is cool. I don't have to use cash. I can get I can it was like, you know, at the same time as those anti-Wall Street protests, uh protests like Occupy Wall Street and stuff was going on and people were like so anti uh anti-capitalism and all that that these, you know, stores were starting to like they were trying to a- attract millennials and like young people who were like disenchanted with the market or, or capitalism to say, well, you can pay with cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and like nobody wins except for you. Um, mm. And now it's become like this investing tool. And um, yeah, I'm 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 curious too. Maybe you should. Maybe we should get someone on here to talk about. On it. here, right? There's yeah. a young woman that I met. So like, she's been a big. Um like, uh, I, I guess, a teacher of Bitcoin. So I actually have a call with her on Friday. So if she seems as dope as I've been doing a little bit of research on her, if she seems as dope as she is, you know, definitely um, we could bring her on. She's all brown ambition. So I'm just looking at Coinbase, like to convert Bitcoin in ca- to cash, look for a Bitcoin exchange that will allow you to sell your Bitcoin at a reasonable price for your preferred local currency, such as K- pesos, dollars, or euros. Whether or not the exchange supports your preferred currency and your preferred method of receiving your cash, so there is you're you're able to cash in. I just wonder why I haven't heard about more people cashing in. I guess people are not wanting to cash in because it keeps going up in price. You know, I mean, I think that it's being treated now just like any asset, like nine thousand shares of a Twitter. Like, mm. if Twitter's stock triples overnight, do you really want to sell it then, or do you want to hang on to it? Yeah, I see that. Because you're right. I'm not really hearing a bunch of people cashing in. But I mean, I guess I wouldn't either because if my if every day it's going up significantly, you know, I don't even know who the, I don't know. I feel like maybe hedge funds are the ones I mean, hedge funds typically take big risks with money. Like maybe they're the ones investing heavily in Bitcoin. But like, I don't know any regular Joes who have a bunch of Bitcoin in their portfolio and are wondering like what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can, oh, my, my personal thing is if it's like so hot right now that everyone knows about it, this is the wrong time to buy it. 
Yeah, you know I, mean? I feel like I, you know, it's so crazy because I remember when it first came out, it exploded and people were like, oh man, I missed the boat. But you really didn't. And then yeah. it like fell because, you know, it was used like for all these illegal activities. And then people kind of forgot about it. And now it's exploding again. It's like, darn it. it you know, I should have, when I thought that it fell off, that would have been the time to maybe get a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, you know? But yeah. there are other exchanges. Like what's so interesting now is that you're seeing more and more um, like, types of cryptocurrencies coming out. Like there's one in Africa now. There's like, oh, there's just, there's one specifically for like black owned businesses. I saw a woman created. There's all of these things coming out. So it's going to be very interesting the next 10 years about how we interact with, for the lack of a better word, really, well, not even money, but really currency and what that really means, you know? Mm, yeah. Interesting. interesting. I'm so like, I'm like an old lady. I'm like, I don't know about this I know. Cryptic, a crypto <laughs> what a crypto what uh, I, I know and I don't want to be that person like right I know but it is I mean you know what what if I had what if I had you know joined in the hype at Business Insider at the time I bet a lot of those people at BI have Bitcoin and are like rolling in it but mm-hmm. I don't know I, I I'm peaceful with my diversified portfolio this is exciting though and cool it is right yeah so For something sure. I didn't mention when I was home with my parents and stuff, like I, like my dad is retired and my mom wants to um, retire soon. So it's like, wow, I haven't, I've never had the sit down financial conversation with them largely because my, my dad is pretty savvy with his finances, but still now that my mom's wanting to make the switch over and just like, I don't know. So it's like weird. Have you had like the real serious, like, so where's your money coming from? What are you guys? Cause I'm, my parents are really considering downsizing like my childhood home. And I'm like, what? And just like all of these like major, major, you know, changes. And so we're supposed to have a sit down financial talk soon just to kind of go over everything they have and where everything is. And, you know, like figure out like insurance, like, okay. Cause my mom right now is the one who has insurance. She's a nurse, a school nurse. So she's got great insurance. And my dad, because he's older, does get Medicare, I believe, but still it's supplemented by her insurance. So like, what does that mean? There's just so many things that I never thought of before, you know? Oh yeah. I think about this all the time. I've been pushing them since before they were ready to talk to me about their finances. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the magic moment is, but I feel like there's a shift where like the kids are asking the parents about their finances and worrying about them. And the parents like resist, like my mom has been in a resistance mode for a few years um, but something happened in the last year. I think what happened was, so she, a couple of years back, my mom, when she moved to Wisconsin, she was like just going to check the mail or something. And she slipped on this patch of ice on her driveway, this like frozen patch of ice and shattered her kneecap. And oh. she had just separated from my stepdad and she was living alone. And, you know, I flew out there right away and my sister lived nearby and together we like had to take care of her and, you know, she couldn't even use a bathroom on her own. And it was really scary because I'd never seen her like that. Mm-hmm. And that was maybe like a little bit of a wake up call. And ever and just because like the level of intimacy I had to have with her all of a sudden, not just like financially, but, you know, physically, you know, helping my mom use the bathroom and stuff. I think that, I don't know, it helped shatter that like um, awkwardness or that that resistance that it was there before. And I don't know like everything, but we've talked about especially because she was separating from my stepdad and she's like, you know, in her late fifties. And, you know, I, I was asking her questions about how, how can you support yourself? And she hasn't worked in a while because she has dis- a disability. Um, and I feel 
Like some of my worst fears were con- were confirmed, but then some of them weren't as bad as I thought. And I think that she just recently got married. Uh, and, and that makes me feel like a little bit better about her financial security. Um, my, my dad, who knows, like, I'm just glad my dad finally got a real job. Like mm. he's been, Papa's been a Rolling Stone forever. Like <laughs> he's always been a hustler, like not the illegal way. I mean, maybe back in the day, but I, mean, like, I was going to say him and Superman probably like, ah, see you. He's, he's got a, I mean, no, my dad is whatever, whatever. Yes, yes. No one has as many friends as he does and was not up to no good when he was. A kid. Exactly. Everybody knows who I'm like, everybody yeah. knows you. Everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, everybody. <laughs> But my dad, I think, I think I've been getting my dad's. It started when I like would help him sign up for Obamacare, and I have you have to mm. ask questions like, "When's the last time you filed taxes?" Say what? Like, and then you start getting concerned. But I'm happy. I mean, my my talk with my dad was like, "You need to get something together. You don't have anything. There's no insurance. There's no 401k. No nothing." And so he's always been an you know self employed in his many different ways, um, and I think he finally decided to look for work in his 50s that pays benefits, which was interesting for me to watch because, like, it's not easy. There's not a lot of jobs you can get with no college education that have benefits and, you know, pay well. Um, and he he took a job doing construction this past fall. And then I was, like, terrified because he was making okay money, but that's really dangerous work. He's, like, mm. putting in insulation and installing stuff in hotels and whatever. Um, but because he was like putting himself out there, he started talking to people and he found out that MARTA, which is the public transit system in Atlanta, um, uh, may be a good option. And so he went to MARTA and he joined their, their training program to be a driver for their, like, like the equivalent of accessoride up here, you know, like the, like the, um, the buses that people with disabilities arrange for transportation, not the public, public bus, anybody can hop on, but people who, like are on wheelchairs or are blind or whatever, they need like the special ride. And so he just joined their program. And when I, I went down for Thanksgiving, he rolled up in the bus and it was like the cutest thing I've ever seen. Um, and I feel better. I'm like, okay. I feel like a parent. I'm like, okay, dad's got a job. Yes. <laughs> like, we're oh going to be God. okay. I, I think maybe. Now. I feel like, uh, honestly, I'm like exhausted checking in on my sisters. Are my friends okay? Okay, my parents. I mean, like, oh, my gosh, my 30s are so real. You know, people have, like, health issues that pop up. And, you know, there's financial issues. And I'm like, did all these things exist before? Because when I was in my 20s, I don't remember all of this. Even in, like, my early 30s. But I feel like now it's like, you know, I don't know. Not that people's lives are terrible, but it's like, it's real. You know, like, people have, you know, like real issues that you're just like, oh my gosh, how much am I supposed to help? How much am I supposed to contribute? And, you know, like I, I, I never, honestly, I've been spoiled in that. Um, I didn't come from a family that necessarily needed help from me, you know? Mm-hmm. So like my dad was really good with the finance and he's still really good with them. And it's not even like they need help. Like, like, you know, where are they going to stay because they can't afford their bills. It's more so like there's a transition and I want to make sure that that transition is made well, but not because they don't have um, the finances, you know, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that way. And that my sisters have also always been gainfully employed, although baby Lisa, I'm like, ma'am, like you are paying a mortgage note in those, in those um, parking tickets. You're going to be locked <laughs> up just so this is the APB out for baby daggone Lisa, pay a parking ticket. <laughs> but other than that, you know, so it's just, but still, it's like, as you get older, you start to see that like finances and life and stuff, these things are real, you know? 
and um, that people struggle with them and people that you know, you know, I'm always worried about like somebody and I'm like, well, what should I do? Superman's like, you can't save everyone. I'm like, I know, but I want to make sure everyone is good. I mean, think so. of it like the government. There's got to be like a chain of command, you know. If so and so is incapacitated, then the responsibility goes to the next person. There's like a there's like a line of succession or like a, a plan in place, or there should be anyway. And like, I think it's so awkward, and people get really upset and defensive, especially my parents when I started talking about this a few years ago. But I don't know. I just kept bringing it up whenever I could, and wearing them down little by little. And eventually, like little trickles started coming out. Um, that that kind of like worked for me. I'd I feel like waiting until the last minute, like waiting until they're in the hospital, you know, in real trouble and you don't know what to do is probably too late. But maybe like starting soon, like around the holidays, even since you're forced to be with them and just like broaching the subject gently and trying to see how far you can get. Um, What are you are you saying that like you guys did you talk about like power of attorney and no, we like have state plan and all the paperwork. Ah, I haven't, know. I haven't gotten that far either. Yes. So right now it's just a transition into, okay, mommy, you want to be retired? Um, because she's not quite a retirement age. So yeah. like really talking about what does that mean and what, do, what has to happen? And are you going to sell the house? Or are you not? So there, there's that conversation, which is a little bit easier, but you're right. Kind of switching over into, do you guys have a will power? Cause my dad is in his seventies and my mom is in his six or sixties. He got him a hot young thing. Right. And so, you know, so just like having that kind of, so I told my dad, I'm going to come over this weekend. So let's start to begin to have that conversation because, you know, like my dad, it's somewhere like he's the type that he has all of those things, but I don't know where they are. He'll have like a folder labeled somewhere like in his, in his office, you know? And so I just, you know, I just want to make sure that everything I know what's happening. It's not just because he's so used to being like, you know, I'm the one who's in charge of the family's finances. I have everything under control. But, you know, there although there's a lot of communication about how we should manage our finances, I didn't have a huge window into how theirs were managed, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's just interesting kind of like sitting at the adult table of money talk, you know? Yeah. So. Especially when you have siblings and like you start to see who's like the take charge and who's like the sit back you know, doesn't really want to get involved aspect. That's a whole other dynamic. Yeah. I know. Adulthood. <laughs> so we've had plenty of time for a brown break. Well, first of all, just so you know, cause people have been tweeting me, did I cheat on my vegan diet or my vegan lifestyle for the haters out there? Um, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> did I cheat? And the answer is heck yeah, I cheated. It's Thanksgiving. I didn't cheat with turkey. <laughs> really? <laughs> say, you know, turkey ain't worth it. <laughs> no, you know what? I didn't cheat with turkey because honestly, I'm not a big turkey friend. I didn't. I didn't cheat with meat. Actually, my sister made. She made a vegetarian lasagna that looked so good. So I had a. And she's like, I. I didn't use much cheese, so I had a really small slice. And let's just say for two days, I regretted that small slice. Ooh, so, yeah, it was not. Mm. Yeah, it was. It wasn't even like it, she it wasn't a super cheesy lasagna. She only used one type of cheese, and and sparingly so. That's and all I, it takes. Yeah, what? And my body was like, ma'am. Who are you? This is not this is not allowed. Like I said, no meat or anything like that. I even went to Whole meat Foods. Would have been, meat would have been easier. <laughs> I, probably, honestly. But I went to Whole Foods and I got um, a vegan blueberry pie, vegan apple pie, vegan ice cream. So I made sure that like every house that we went to, I was going to be able to enjoy. But yeah, that was like the only little cheat. And I was like, I'm going to try it. And then I was like, oh, my life killed me now. So, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, though, I, I stayed pretty good. 
I feel like dairy is the one thing. Once you go back, once you go non-dairy, you it's so hard to go back. It is. I I don't even. There's no way you couldn't pay me the money because I was like, I think that I'm going to die here. <laughs> you start keeping alert emergency lactate in your wallet like I do. I know, and so. I used to actually have that when I was in college. I used to have the, like the little lactate pills. Thirty going on seventy-five. That's me. <laughs> Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So it's time to boost or break. Um, are you going to boost or are you going to break? I'm going to let you go first. I'm still thinking about mine. I would love to boost because I know we talked about Black Friday before the holiday. And like, I think that was your brown break last week, Black, Black yeah. Friday. But this year, this might be the first year where I just really looked at the sales online and I couldn't even like compel myself to spend the money i just got i felt so gross and like i don't know like why am i doing this i was like questioning the psychology around it and i was like i'm just not spending a damn dime okay that's a lie i did buy one thing but it's healthy i bought they had a a sale on the gym that i go to that i do my dance classes they had a sale on a package so i saved 20 percent off on something i would buy anyway but i digress so i was like really grossed about out about the whole thing and like my dad went to Best Buy, you know, at 5 a.m. Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, and like got some TV that he did not need. He has mm. two TVs in his house. He's one person <laughs> with one house alone. He's like, I don't know, man. It was a good deal. So anyway, <laughs> I got on Facebook today and I had forgotten, but it was Giving Tuesday today. Yeah. It's always Giving Tuesday, the Tuesday after, you know, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, whatever. Um, but Facebook is so dope. Like they added the new, this new fundraising feature. Yeah. where you can really easily just start a fundraiser like right on your Facebook page. And I started one today and I just raised like 200 bucks, $223 <gasps> for <sighs> a charity that I really care about. And I was like, I just, I put it up in the morning and I did one, I did my work day and I looked at it at five o'clock and I was like, $200. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. My, my thanks. Shout out to my uncle Jim and my mom and my friend Sarah for donating and whoever else did it. Yeah, that was dope. So and um, I did look into it. Facebook takes like a, a cut of the donations. Yeah. Um, it's like, I, I forget how much, like three to 5% or something yeah, like that. I saw that. Yeah. 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 Which is a bummer. But I also feel like I didn't raise, like I, I wasn't going to raise 200 yeah. something dollars easily without, you know, in another way. So, and I actually donated $103 so I could cover the 3% um, uh, credit card transaction fee. I'm just assuming there was like a credit card fee. So anyway, I just wanted to boost Facebook and boost Giving Tuesday. You don't have to donate through Facebook, but there's tons of great charities out there and it's tax deductible. Yeah, so. no, honestly, that's awesome. I'm going to boost too um, because, and did I talk about, did I talk about this app called Headspace? Did I? 
last time? No, uh, don't. Ooh, the meditation? No, you haven't. I don't think you have. So I'm going to boost it because it is everything. Not thing, but thing. Um, so uh, shout out to Will Jawando. He is a, he's running for office, but he's part of Waves, the West African Voltron. And when I was at the um, Waves Summit in Arizona, we were all talking about how sometimes we can get very overwhelmed. And he said that he uses this app called Headspace and it teaches you how to meditate. And I've always wanted to learn how to meditate. I've taken yoga classes and stuff. Um, but I've never quite got the hang of meditation. And he was like, oh my gosh. He's like, literally I roll over and I start with that. It's anywhere from three to 10 minutes. And it's, you just, and he's like, it just helps to set the pace of calmness for the day. And so I was like, you know, let me see what um, Headspace be about. So for, for those of you looking at for the, in your like app store, it's just like literally an orange circle, Headspace, all one word. It is everything. The, the voice of the guy who walks you through meditation, his voice is so calming. It goes really fast. It's free. I mean, there's, of course, some paid, paid, like, subscriptions and stuff that you can do. But to use it, for the, like, for the most part, it's free. Um, and I'm on the first, the first 10 days, he literally is just walking you through how to meditate. So it's just three minutes a day. And he talks you through, okay, breathe deep, close your eyes. Now relax. Now your thoughts are going to come. And so then he's walking you through and talking to you. So you're just sitting in bed or wherever you decide to do it. And I just do it in bed. Literally, I roll over, sit up. And I listen and then I just like kind of go through the exercise with him. Honestly, it's awesome. And then after that, like it, it encouraged me because I don't always remember to like pray. So after that, it encourages me to be like, okay, straight into prayer now that you're in a place of calm and then into the rest of the day. So honestly, I love Headspace. It's just, if you're busy, if you're too busy to meditate, you really need to meditate even more so than the rest of <laughs> the average person. I was just thinking, hmm, <laughs> do I meditate or do I get an extra five minutes of sleep? That's yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's everything. I'm not going to act like I've, I've done it every single day. I would say of the last, I've done it maybe the last five days and I, and I missed like one or two or something like that. So I'm on day five, but I didn't do it consistently. Like there was one day that I was like, ugh, I just like, by the time I got up, I was so late. I had I had to run right into a call. I was mm. exhausted. Um, but yeah, three minutes, I have three minutes. And even if you just want to do it laying down in your bed and you're like, I don't want to sit up. Just that, like, just him talking you through, like, re relaxing. It's just, I don't know, really calming. It's time for questions. Who has questions? Most wonderful time of the show. Yes, I good? love answering questions. Oh, I have a good question. Um, so this question comes from, does she want us to use your name? Ebony. Um, thanks for sending us your question, Ebony. If you guys have a question, you can email us at brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com or check us out at brandambitionpodcast.com. Just hit the ask us anything tab to leave a question. So Ebony has a question about business accounts. She says, thanks for the awesome show. I'm curious if you have any information about business accounts. I went to Magnify Money first. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I was going to suggest that. <laughs> but I didn't see anything. Yes. I have a pretty new business, less than six months old, that's doing well. Right now we use PayPal for everything, but we need a bank account, mainly to have access to our money immediately and to receive and send checks when needed. While we're making money, we don't normally carry a high balance as we are continuing to invest back in the business. Should we wait until we can keep a certain balance in the bank at all times? Is a business bank account really necessary? And if so, do you have any suggestions or guidelines on how to pick one? 
Yes. So one, I thought that when you like register your LLC, it's been a while, but I thought that they kind of made you like give your business account information, like to show you had a business account. I'm not like, don't, don't quote me on that, but I thought, but, um, I have several business accounts. Um, nerd wallet actually has, I think that's where I looked like I did my research to see, did one, did I want to have like a business account that was kind of like an online bank, like an ally, or did I want like a brick and mortar? So it all depends what kind of company you have, but you definitely should have a business account because one, it's going to help you during tax time. So my, um, uh, CFO for lack of a better word, because she's like works as a contract worker. So, but we'll just call her my CFO. She has review access to my business account. Like she can't make any transfers or take any money out, but she logs in once a week and put, makes a report. Um, so, cause we do like a monthly report as well, where it's like, this is what you spent according to your business account. Cause she also has access to see my, my business credit card expenditures. And, um, and this is what you've made. So she sees my deposits and she creates a report so I can have like a profit and loss statement. So in the beginning, when you're first starting, you're just trying to keep your head above water. But as your business starts to grow, knowing like what the numbers are critical, critical. I mean, like I'm obsessed, like we go over numbers once a week. Most people do once a month or every quarter. No, once a week, I know my numbers. How much do we make? How much did we spend? You know, what, what advertising is working? You know, if we spend a hundred dollars in advertising, but we only made 60 bucks, we know we're not going to do that ad anymore. So I'm really, but the only way to kind of keep on top of that is your business accounts help to keep a clear record of what's happening of the flow of money in your company and PayPal is okay to start. Cause we all use that at first, but it's time. Like if you're starting to make some money, you know, in your, um, your business, you definitely want to have a business account. So here's what you would get. You would get, um, business savings and at least one checking account. And this too, because you might not need to borrow money, but you want to establish business credit before you need to borrow money. I would highly suggest with that same bank that you apply for a business um, credit card. If you're not able, like the bank that I use, I'm not going to mention because honestly, I'm, I should really switch from them because they're not really like, you know, there's nobody's fave. So they're not getting any shine from me. But the bank that I use, um, I was able to apply for a secured business credit card because my business did not have, um, was not able to get a regular credit card. I got denied. So I got a secured card, had it for a year, and then they upgraded me to a regular business card, even though I didn't really need any credit. But I got it because I said one day I might, and I want to make sure my credit score is strong enough. And now I actually use my business credit. So, um, so yeah. So as far as looking for the best business account to... Like we don't want to look for one where the fee is not super crazy. A lot of times you can ask your, your, go to the bank itself. If you're going to go to a brick and mortar and ask them, like, for example, the bank that I use, if I make a transfer of at least a hundred dollars a month to my business savings for my business checking, my account is free. So you can ask, are there things like that, that you can do? You're wanting something where there's convenience. You're also wanting something like, I, I like a physical bank so I can go in and talk to like my business banker. Um, you're wanting to make sure that you can, there's an option to also transfer large lump sums of money. So in the beginning, it might not seem like a big deal, but typically you might not be able to transfer more than like $5,000 in a day with a basic business bank account. But let's just say your business grows and you have to make a $20,000, uh, um, transfer to someone or something or to buy something and you're not able, um, because that bank doesn't have that capability. 
Um, so you want to look into the ability to transfer and to receive really large lump sums of money because you kind of want to stay with that business, that bank and grow with them. Yeah. Um, and if you're looking for just like a really easy place to search for business savings and business checking accounts, you can start um, at depositaccounts.com. It's it's a really simple, I think I mentioned this site before, it's really simple. You can just literally look up business savings accounts, business checking accounts, and they have like every bank in the United States, like the little local banks that may be in your area or like credit unions that may offer really good um, rates over all the other ones. Um, yeah. All I can think of, like like you already said, was check those monthly fees, like monthly maintenance fees yep. and like account minimums. But then like Tiff said, see if you can get away from those account minimums <clears throat> by by meeting some other requirements that they may have. Mm-hmm. But as she's growing, my question is, because every most bank accounts are only insured, FDIC insured, um, up to $250,000. So if your revenue gets above that, is that why you might have multiple bank accounts or you know, maybe, I don't know, what do you do when you have that much revenue as a, as so, a business? So I have a, I have a, um, uh, what is it called? A payroll account. So I have what I call my deposit account. So this is the account that when I get paid anything, that's where the money lands. So I literally call it the budget Easter, like, cause you can name your business accounts, like, you know, or most banks, you can actually name them like online so you can visibly see them. So I have budget Easter deposit, knowing any kind of check or any kind of, if someone says, Hey, I want to pay you ACH. That's where the money goes for the budget Easter. And then I also have a budget Easter payroll account. So then I transfer some of that money from the deposit account into my payroll account so I can make payroll. And so I use into it like, um, the TurboTax people, they have a payroll system. And so they pull from that account when it's time to pay um, my staff. Um, and then I also have a, um, I've got a, a deposit account. I've got payroll. And then, of course, I have savings because you have to set aside money for taxes. And so I actually don't save my tax money at that brick and mortar because of the interest rate is terrible. I actually save my tax rate money at um, Ally Bank um, because I get a much better interest rate. And so that's why I keep the 30% of like the gross of what we make. I, um, oh, not gross of what I make, 30% of, of the net. So after our expenses, I set aside it there so it can grow. Um, um, yeah, so those are the, the core ones. Like I said, payroll, your deposit account. And then I also have, you know what? I also have, I have a third business checking account and I call it my bills account. You know, so literally the, the deposit account is just where money lands and it's disseminated. So I put some money in my bills account because sometimes I, um, like I use Infusionsoft, which sends emails for me. I use GoDaddy to buy my domain names. I use, so there's all of these bills that the budget needs to have to pay. If I'm ordering books, I might use my business credit card, but someone has to pay that credit card and it's that bills account. I like to have my money separated. So a deposit account, an account specifically to pay my budget needs to bills, an account specifically to pay my budget needs to payroll. And the reason why I don't combine the payroll and the bill in the bills account is because I need to know that I can make payroll. So I don't want that, you know, ever like in the beginning, you know, I, I used to be tight every every two weeks when I was making payroll, like eh, it's going to be a few days late, you know. So I'm like now I can look to see I know everyone is going to be getting, let's just say it's five thousand dollars on the 15th collectively, that's what, how much payroll. And I can look at my payroll account and say, is there $5,000 there? Not like, wait, how much of this is payroll? How much of this is bills? How much of this is? Nope. I like to separate my money. So those are the four bills, deposit, um, uh, payroll and savings. Excellent. That's some great free advice. 
for any small business owner out there. <laughs> yes, I'm learning. Child, I am learning. And when you make your transfers, because if you don't have like a bookkeeper or anything or so- something now, that's fine. But eventually you're going to have to get there. When you make your transfers, the one thing that saved me when I finally got like a CFO to come and help me is that every transfer I made in that memo box, I was very clear about why I was making that transfer. So it was, she had to go back and like make my, um, create like, um, monthly profit and loss statements and all that kind of stuff for me. She was able to go into my accounts and say literally day by day, it took months because I, I, like I brought her on like halfway through the year. So she had to go back to January and go through each and every transfer and say, okay, Tiffany transferred from her deposit account to her bills account. So she could pay the infusion soft bill. Cause I would write that. So, so you know, write those things out so that way when you finally get help, folks can really understand what's happening in your business. And you can see, am I spending a lot to make a little? Like, if you, there are businesses I know that actually make, you know, um, a few million dollars a year, but they don't turn a profit because they spend more than a few million dollars a year. And so you want to be on top of that. Like, and you know, if, if I'm making $100,000 a month, how much am I spending to make 100000 Because I'm spending ninety. Or I'm spending 95, I might as well get a regular job. You know, like there has to be like, you know, the, your numbers are so critical. I think people underestimate how important it is. Like I am a numbers fanatic when it comes to that. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to make, you know, $1,500 a month or 2000 or whatever I made as a teacher. I might as well go back. It's less stress. I might as well go back to teaching. Like, no, no, no. At least I'm not in the beginning. I'm talking about like, I'm, I'm year 10 and I'm still not turning much of a profit. I'm like, what is really happening here? So I'm definitely in the beginning. It's definitely always tight, though. Absolutely. Come on. You want to go back to being a preschool teacher? No. I, I say <laughs> that only when everybody gets on my nerves. And I'm like, I hate everybody. Everyone could go. Actually, <laughs> my team is honestly awesome. When I say get on my nerves, I'm talking about, like, partners and stuff like that or people with unrealistic expectations or – It's them or who, 25 screaming toddlers. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Actually <laughs> – <laughs> because first of all, you have to get up a certain time. Then I just go see my niece and my nephew and I get, you know, like the, oh, the, the fun part of like being a teacher out of the way. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go back to that. But it could be, could be stressful. Like I was just thinking the other day, I'm like, is there such thing as passive income? Like really, I posted that. I'm like, I feel like it's a lie, a lie. Because even though there are some things I don't have to put as much work into, there's still work. So I'm like, what is passive income really? Like, is there such thing as a hundred percent passive income? I don't think there is, honestly. I think that it's like the snake oil of entrepreneurialism. I don't know. It's like everyone loves to talk about it, and like I think a lot of people make money off telling people that how to make passive income. But I, I don't know. I feel like the best passive income is if you invest slowly and over a long t- period of time, and you're just making money off your money. Like that to me is the kind of passive income that I want—the money that I'm making off the money that I worked hard to earn and save. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or if you're <laughs> Oprah and like, I don't know, you poop and money, like you make a million dollars. And even then, like I was thinking like somebody was saying like, oh, Rihanna, Rihanna's like totally pat. And I'm like, yeah, but if Rihanna doesn't stay hot and viable, you know, like viable, like then even though like, let's just say people are, will buy her stuff. But if Rihanna is not hot and popping, like look at Sierra. Remember like that? The, um, she was like a, um, a hip hop kind of like artist. Oh, I know. Poor Sierra. Yes, I remember Sierra. <laughs> Wait, is she not cool anymore? <laughs> like, no, but like, not she's one of the last ones I remember. <laughs> yeah, 
I don't know, but it's just that at one point, I remember people were saying Sierra was like the new new Beyonce. She was like, you know, really, really mm-hmm. um, amazing. Yeah, people were saying that. And so with, um, but, you know, like, it, not to say Sierra obviously isn't broke, but I'm saying all that to say that, like, it's still work to keep yourself top of mind, even if things are kind of selling. When, like, for example, my books sell, and I don't, you don't really, I don't know that you'll ever really see me on social media say, buy my book, buy my book. That's not what I do, but the way my books sell is that I have to do the work to be, to keep top of mind. Yeah, you know. And so, even though people are like your books are passive, yes, because they do sell buy people buy them, but they only buy them because oh, you saw me on that show, or you saw my live, or oh, you're a dream catcher, you've taken a challenge, and all of these things I do to like continuously remind folks like, hey, you know, you know, I'm a I'm you know I'm an expert in this field, and so. I guess yeah, it's so, the difference between passive income and easy money. Like, yes. don't mistake passive income for easy money because it's not. It takes yeah. time and effort to, like, set up those passive income streams and then step away and have them kind of, like, work. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so I just was like, because actually I met a young man. Have you heard of the um, the brand Inclusive? Mm, no. Is it a brand? Well, it's a it's a company. So, um there, um, a young guy, a man named Rohan, uh, he's like a serial entrepreneur. I can't remember his last name, but he tried to book a, a, um, a stay with Airbnb and found that he was not able to until he switched out his profile picture of someone who was not Brown. And then he, yes. And then he was instantly booked and then he realized, wow, there's an issue because Airbnb forces you to like use, like you have to show proof of who you are, which, you know, which is not, which is not a bad thing, but they, fe- they, you know, I never thought about that, that people were being turned away because they were black or brown. And so he's a serial entrepreneur and he was like, wow, this is a real problem because he posted it. I remember he's part of this nomadness. Nomad- we had, you know, we had a Vita on. He's part of that group. And he mentioned it. it was like, are you guys having trouble booking? And especially some of the guys were like, you know what? I did notice that, but I thought, well, maybe they're full or whatever. And then, but then when like my friend who was white, you know, um, tried, you know, tried, they, they got, you know, a response and I'm like, wow. So as a result, he actually started his own, um, uh, part of like, um, home share company called inclusive, get it like inclusive with the N, but anyway, yes, but it's doing dope. He was already telling me it's already in the first six months, already six figures. Was this, is this what kicked off the Airbnb while black? Yes. Movement like way back when. Okay. Yep. So I don't know that he kicked it off, but this is it's part of a result of what happened. So one of the things that came out of that Airbnb bar black was inclusive and it's actually doing really well um, because, and then it actually prompted Airbnb to try to put in some, I guess some, I don't know, some, some firewalls and some things that they could do to protect folks. But from what I've heard, it hasn't been as helpful as, as they would have liked, you know? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like, it's, so he was the one, he actually hit me up on like my, my page when I said, there's no such thing as passive income. And he's like, that's not true. I have two companies that are passive income, like literally hundred percent passive. Like not that someone's not doing the work, but he was like, I've handed over the keys. One of them is like a maid service cleaning company. And another one of them is like a, um, a systems company where he is really good at tech and building systems and people buy those systems. And so he's like, I don't literally do anything except for collect the money every month. And I was like, mm, lies you tell. So actually I'm having a conversation with him soon because I thought that was interesting. Like, well, what does that kind of look like passive income? 
I know we're all like off topic, but I'm like, does anybody have a question? I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. I mean, we're done with questions. That's interesting. Oh, so he used to be Noir B and B. I remember. Yes, remember? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just yeah, he changed the name to Inclusive. That's cool. But that reminds me of like, so look at Shonda Rhimes. How she started Grey's Anatomy. And then she eventually handed over the keys to Grey's Anatomy and then went on to do Scandal and like How to Get Away with Murder and like her other shows and endeavors. And I guess that's sort of like the general concept, like if you or like the concept of like someone who starts one business and then goes on to do another business. But like really how much work do you like how much less work are you doing even though you've handed over the keys? Like I imagine you have to go back and check on them and make sure that they're not, you know, burning the house down and like ruining what you started and that kind of thing. Um, just like if you like bought a rental property and then rented it out, you still have to go check in and make sure that they're literally not burning the house down. Exactly. Um, and so, and I guess what he's saying is that he's got the system down and after really talking to him, like we spoke a little bit and actually, he's actually going to come and do a lesson, um, inside the, um, inside my literature Academy because he built his first business because he lost his job and was like, how am I going to pay this mortgage? And so he's been building like in his businesses, six and seven figures. He's got like four or five of them. And inclusive is one of his newest ones. And it's just been fascinating because they're not, you know, especially when you think of women in entrepreneurship, typically businesses are an extension of our passion. Right. But no, he's like, no, I just, you know, I was like, I looked, studied um, different, um, um, like uh, different landscapes to see what, you know, what was, what was missing. And so he was like the first business I was like, Oh, okay. I'll start a maid company and then I'll start this and I'll start that. So they're all his businesses are pretty random. Um, but they all do really well because he's a really good at building systems. And, you know, and I was just really impressed because he was like, I have two passive companies and he posted it on my Facebook page. And, you know, I went to look and honestly, I was like, wait a minute. Um, I'm going to send my mom this, I forget what it's called. Like I need a maid. I'm like, what? This is awesome where basically it connects you with local people in your area that could be like, that would clean your house or your office. Dude, we need to have him on the show. For real. Honestly, I was like, and honestly, he's so down to earth and chill, but I was like, uh, I actually want to use one of your companies. Cause I'm like, my mom wants to have someone clean, clean their house. And I've been promising I was going to find her someone. Now I don't have to, she can just find it and we can, me and the sisters can pay for it. You know, let's do the passive income debate show. Yes, let's do that. We could definitely have him on. And just even talking about inclusive, I think that I love to talk to other entrepreneurs and like their how and their why and like, you know, how they make things happen. Everyone's kind of um, different, which is great because it's nice to hear different stories, like um, how people kind of what success looks like for them and how they achieve it. You know, he seems so down to earth. I'm like, wait, you have like three seven figure businesses. Wait, what? What? And like the last four years, his businesses have grossed. $10 million. I'm like, um, that's, uh, incredible, sir. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> I literally wrote him. I said, how are we not friends in real life? Where do you live? <laughs> All right. Well, you work on that. Let's get him on the show. That'd be awesome. That'd be dope. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Rohan Gilkins. We're going to have you on the show. you <laughs> okay how about some wins on this wednesday wins um you go first okay <laughs> easy um so i need to give a win because i have been i always love jennifer lewis and you don't even like you maybe not know jennifer lewis's name if you're like i don't know younger but if you watch any black movie from like 
I don't know, the beginning of time to like now, she's probably been in one of those movies as someone's mom or like the sassy aunt. Um, Jennifer Lewis, she's like right now she plays Grandma Ruby on Blackish. She is just like black history, black fabulousness. And she has this book coming out or it's already out called The Mother of Black Hollywood. And I have, down, I have the audiobook and I haven't started listening to it yet. But she's been like interviewed on a bunch of podcasts and she is like so hilarious and so real. And I just want to give my win to her because a, a, the I, I love how she said in one interview, she's like, I don't need to make money. I've been on like all these different shows. I have so much money. I'm not doing this book for money. But the reason I'm doing it is because um, of my struggle, lifelong struggle with bipolarism and how when she was like a young actress in her 20s um, and late 20s to her 30s, she really didn't want to get help. She didn't want to admit that she needed help. And eventually she went and saw a therapist and she's been getting help through therapy all this time. And so that's part of the reason, one of the biggest reasons she's wrote this book is to talk about that journey and to, you know, break that myth in black communities that like mental health care is is not a real illness, is like not a real thing that needs to be diagnosed. And she's just yeah. a fucking badass. I love badass. And hilarious. You know Jennifer Lewis, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She um so it's called the mother of black hollywood let me get the i'll put a link in the in the um in the show notes but i can't wait to listen i feel like that's gonna be the perfect audiobook for me Ooh, i haven't I haven't done an audiobook in years you don't I listen like to audiobooks it's the it's the og podcast what are you talking about yeah i know right you know i used to like as a kid actually like i was a huge reader as a kid like even when sleeping i was like i need to read something so i would listen i would get cassettes from the library and then i would put them in like my little cassette player and i would go to sleep listening to like my favorite stories um and so but yeah, i have not that. listened oh you do oh you're yeah, like I, do. I still do that <laughs> i know I, well, if i can't sleep an audiobook is the per or like an like a slow podcast you know something i don't care about that i've listened to already or something yes perfect yep, right that is a good one yeah so my win is going out too. So um, for those of you who don't know, I'm actually creating a children's book series called Molly Moore. Because I really want to teach, like now, you know, we're over here making sure grown women have their money together. And I said, well, it begins in childhood. So I really want to teach um, starting with three-year-olds. So this the series will be from for three to six-year-olds. Um, so start to teach them what I call pre-financial lessons. So not necessarily this is a dollar, but sharing community being of service like the foundations that you need for a strong financial mindset right mm -hmm. and that are age appropriate and so the character is named is molly moore and um and so i've been looking for a publisher and because i publish my other books self-published them through amazon and amazon is a loan shark um what? no they're not a loan shark but they're like the worst honestly every time i turn around amazon is taking more and more of your money so you're like so i'm writing the book and basically you're just getting everything and i get nothing like what does that even mean so yeah i'm sick of amazon although my other books do well still like they're taking more and more money i'll give you an example amazon just changed the rules where if you self-publish through create space which is their self-publishing arm you used to get 70 percent and then if somebody bought it on CreateSpace, you would get your 70. But if somebody bought it on Amazon, you would get like 40 or 50 or whatever percent, something to that effect. So now, because they like to make it easier for the author, they're not going to let you sell to CreateSpace anymore and get your 70 because it's better for the author. That they're going to just sell it via Amazon. And I was like, why? 
So they actually called. I don't know if they called all the authors, but they called me. We're like, we just want to let you know about the update so it's easier for you. I said, cut the crap. I literally told the guy that. I'm like, I know it's not you personally, but cut the crap. This is not easier for me. I have an audience. They will buy on CreateSpace. They don't care that it's not Amazon that they're buying on. They trust because they know it's me. You're taking more of a percentage. Like, honestly, I was like, having this call is insulting. Like, you think I'm stupid? That you take a huge cut by not selling it through CreateSpace anymore. And he was quiet. I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> um, so my win, though, is this publishing company called Wise Inc. A friend of mine, Lovey, of Awesomely Lovey, like I had um, reached out to her and was like, oh, I don't want to publish my children's book through grubby, greedy Amazon. Um, is there, like, do you know any options? And she was like, if I didn't, because Lovey has a, a New York Times bestseller. And she said, if I did not publish through my traditional publisher, I was considering this company called Wise Inc. And when I say this company is like the best thing since sliced freaking bread and vegan cheese that actually melts, <laughs> um, you know, they are, first of all, it's run by a black woman whoop, whoop, and her whole team is like of sister girls for the most part. And they believe in the mission of sister girls. And for those of us, not just sister girls, they have other books, but especially like our books for our women. And um, they're just so dope because one, they're a perfect middle ground between a traditional publisher who owns your rights and pays you royalty and, a, and self-publishing where you own everything, but you pay for everything. They're the perfect middle ground in that you own your rights, but they will help you print and distribute. So that alone is amazing. Like, cause that was my big thing. Like no one's going to own my book, but me, that's why I self-publish. Um, and so they were like, yes, you keep your rights. But the part about self-publishing is that you have to figure out now who's going to print it, who's going to ship it. They help you with that. And what I really love is that they don't get a piece. Because I was like, well, what about my royalties? She's like, there are no royalties. You own the book. And I was like, wait, what? So, like, whatever I sell it for, it's mine, minus printing and shipping. Well, really, minus printing because the shipping is paid for by the customer. And I was like, what? So there's none of this Amazon, I take your 70, 30, 100,000 percent. I own it. So if I sell a book, a children's book's run from 15 to $25. If I sell a children's book for $15 and shipping, um, and printing itself costs $5. I get my 10, not 10 minus their cut, which I think is awesome. And it's a children's book and Amazon doesn't do hard copy as far as self-publishing. And so this company does hard copy. Um, they actually have children's, um, they have educators on staff to help make sure that your book is concise and, and it's, it reads well. Um, they have book designers because just because you have an illustrator, they have an illustrator too, but you also have to typeset the book to make sure that the font is right. I mean, they have everything. And for the price, it's incredible. I just want to give, and, and just speaking to the young woman, um, Danielle, who's going to be my project manager, she's so excited and so awesome. She's like, Tiffany, I'm a dream catcher. I want to see to see Molly Moore in the hands of beautiful brown girls and non-brown girls learning about personal finance in a way that's age appropriate. She's just as excited as me. And she told me that the uh, co-founder, like she and I have similar um, passions for wanting to shift a uh, to wanting to shift like the demographic or it's really to shift like a culture. So she wants to shift how books are and, and authors are able to get their books out there. And so it's honestly, I'm just like, why Zinc? You guys are like my BFF. So I just want to give a win for them for creating such an awesome company that honors the author is of service, but still makes money. So you can do that. Like how that's do, my, how do they make money? Sorry. So they're big things. So they make money by the service provided. So let's just say I didn't have an illustrator. 
I would pay for an illustrator through them. Um, they have a book designer. Like if I don't have a book designer, that's one of the things me and my illustrator talked about. Like I could draw the pictures, but who's going to actually put the pictures on the page in a certain way with the words and all that kind of stuff. And so they have a book designer. So I'm going to pay for that service, although I don't have to, if I had my own. Um, they also are going to create like a marketing strategy. If I didn't want that, I could be like, nah, but I do. I want to work together to create a marketing strategy. So they have all of these components that you can pay for if you so choose. Like I'm going to pay for the marketing strategy. I'm going to pay for the distributor. Um, I'm paying for the, for the printing through them. Um, so they just, how they make their money is the services. Some services are non-negotiable. Like you, if you're going to work with them, they have to print and distribute for you, obviously, because that's, that's the purpose, but everything else is basically, you could kind of pull in and out. So I'm probably going to end up spending on the max end. She said, basically, if I wanted everything, the Rolls Royce of it all, it's like maybe $12,000. But because I have a lot of the things, I'm probably going to spend closer to four, which is awesome. Because you don't know how much I've spent on other books before, before I figured it out. When she told me that, I'm like, that's an amazing price for all that I'm going to um to get. Like I said, um, marketing, um, book design, um, editing, um, like checking for, because when you're writing a children's book, there's certain things that you have to have, um, submitting you for awards. There's so many things like uploading your book to every platform. Like, so you can pick, like, I, I still want to be uploaded to create space and, and iBook and all the other stuff. So uploading that for you, I can do that myself, but like looking at the price, cause they break down the price of how many hours it's going to take and how much it is per hour and what that total cost is. It's worth it to me to have them do it. Cause it takes a little minute for me to do that on my own. So yeah, they they make their money off of those fees, not off of each of your individual book sales. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever like like, oh, you know, I want to write a book, but you know, I I don't know if I want to go traditional, but I definitely don't want to do it all on my own, then you have this option of uh, Wise Ink. And they don't take just everybody. You have to kind of like they have to make sure that it's a fit. Obviously they're not like printing like porn or whatever, but whatever. No judgment to porn, because you know, it has <laughs> It has a place, but I'm just saying, not at Wise Ink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I can't wait. What's the name of the book again? So the first book for the Molly Moore series is called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. Molly Moore. Cute. Yeah. Cute, cute, cute. Can't wait. I'm racking up them nieces and nephews and babies for you. I'll be like, I'll buy 10 right off the bat. <laughs> well, I'm so, you have no idea. Maybe I'm so excited because it's just like, oh my gosh, I get to talk to the babies and teach them like, you know, to not make the mistakes that their parents did. And just to teach like, you know, these pure lessons of like how to be of service, how to share, like, you know, and then the hard lessons like, like, you know, like if you don't share in one of the books, it's like, well, Molly doesn't have any friends right now because don't nobody like selfish little Molly. Of course, it doesn't read like that. But you get the lessons. And at the end of each book, because most parents are not teachers, I do an extension where I say, here's an extension of the lesson. Here's questions you can ask. And here are two activities you can do to extend the core lesson and even defining what the lesson is for you in this book. Like the lesson in this book is to teach your child how to count how to um, um, express themselves when it comes to sharing and how to identify ways that they can be of service to their community. Do you know what I mean? So it's really important to me. This is not just a feel good book. These are going to be books that are going to allow parents to be financial educators in their own home. Hmm. Excellent. Yes, Lord. I can feel the passion. It's going to be fabulous. I know. <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm passionate about just as an outro, Harry and Meghan Markle. <laughs> Come on. 
I know. I had to make a decision. Am I going to geek out about it? Because I didn't geek out about Kate. Or am I not going to geek out? And I, we have to geek out. Like the first lie. mixed race, multiracial American princess or whatever she is. Duchess. Right. What is it? I think she's a duchess, but whatever. We're American, so we don't know. So we just call her a princess. Because he's a prince. They're so cute. I'm just, I'm our, I'm like, I'm shipping for it. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm going to follow. I'm going to be on the live stream. I'm, I'm committed. Did you see his, her mom with the locks? I said, if you don't come through, shave no. with your locks. So there was a picture of like her mom, her and Harry and her mom had like locks. I said, yes, natural Aww. sister. She's just looking your like the memes that were created from the picture are hilarious. They're like, look at her mom. Look at it. Set it off for her child. <laughs> Hopefully all no. the nasty racist crap that they had to endure when they first got together is over and people would just embrace them because they just look so happy. Yeah, honestly, they do. Somebody was like, we knew Harry wanted a little cocoa. Right? You always, come on. He wasn't going to settle for some like regular British crumpet. I'm just offending everybody who knows anybody know, in British. Like, oh, really? Oh, so... <laughs> The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.